Lord, we just thank you for this morning and we just thank you for the opportunity that we can freely come to you in prayer. We thank you for God-centered movies like War Room that can just show us that there is answered prayer. But when we look around every day and we pray for those around us or we, you know, we ask for your help and assistance, we see that answered prayer. God, we would just pray that you give us a good prayer life, a life that is pleasing to you. God, we do want to just lift up Pastor Bill and that you just reach down and touch him and heal him. That God, he just wants to serve you and we would just pray that he be healthy when he leave for, leaves for Cambodia. That he can give 200% to all that he'll do while he's there. We want to lift up Jeannie and Bob, Lord, that uh, just watch over them. And God, that you would just work a miracle there and just uh, be with Bob, comfort him. And God, just uh, give Jeannie assurance that you were there to just lift them up and protect them. God, just be with you this morning as we bring your word. And we would just pray that we would learn from this and go out and reach and teach others. And we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. So um, so First Samuel 24, it's about David. Um, and it kind of is before he is king. He has been anointed uh, by Samuel. Um, and I would hazard a guess that probably King David and even the story of King David and or David and Goliath is probably one of the most famous Bible stories that are out there. And it probably is one that even if people have not gone to church a lot or actually gone to church at all, they've probably heard about David and Goliath and what happened there. Some look at it as a story. But we know it to be true. Um, and like I say, it's got to be one of the most famous Bible stories that's out there. So in 1 Samuel 16, uh, let's kind of go back and take a look at, you know, where this all started. You know, David is out in the pasture tending his dad's sheep. And uh, he's a shepherd. Uh, but God, you know, Saul has proven to be this is not the man to lead Israel. And so God has selected someone that will replace Saul and it will not be in the line of Saul. And so that turns out to be David. And so Samuel goes and he's looking for the son of Jesse that will be the next king of Israel. And so obviously Samuel, Samuel goes and he looks and he looks at the oldest son. And, you know, it talks about, you know, he's pretty big, pretty, pretty strong. You know, he's really just like the guy that probably is supposed to lead Israel. You know, if CrossFit was around back then, he probably would have been involved in CrossFit. But God says, no, that is not the man that I want to be to lead Israel next. And so son after son after son, Samuel goes through and God says, no. And he finally says, Samuel looks at Jesse and he says, isn't there, do you have another son? And so they had David come in. And here David is a young man. He's a teenager. And so from right there at that point, God has given David his destiny and what he's going to be doing. And so Samuel anoints David. And he doesn't become right king right then and there. But one day he will be king. So in 1 Samuel sixteen seven, the Lord says to Samuel as he's looking through because he did end up selecting david but this is what god says he says do not consider his appearance or his height for i have rejected him the lord does not look at things man looks at 
man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that, to me, is such an important part of that verse, that God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't see, you know, when I go to church on Sunday, do I wear a three-piece suit or do I cut my hair or, you know, do I shave or, you know, do the outward appearance. Does it look like I'm a Christian, but on the inside, I could be just as dirty as could be. God looks at the heart and he's always looked at the heart. And that follows through scripture as we go through. God always looks at the heart. We were just talking just in men's Bible study just on Saturday. You know, how someone could go out on Friday and Saturday and they could party hardy, have a great time, wake up the next morning, shave, just come to church looking all spit and shiny and just look like the greatest Christian in the world. But Monday morning comes, they're back in the world. And that's not what we want to be. Our heart needs to be seeking after God all the time. So if there's no change in the heart, there's no change. Kind of talked about that. I've uh, seen this before that, you know, people will, you know, give you the impression or that outer appearance that they are just a fabulous Christian. But really, they are living in two worlds. On Sunday, they live like a great, great Christian. And the rest of the week... They are just living their life in the world. And you can't do that. God looks on the heart. God knows your heart. He knows my heart. James 4, 4 through 10 tells us, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred with God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. While we may fool those around us, God truly knows what's going on. He truly knows what's going on in our heart. So let's get back to David. He's been anointed, but he doesn't take the throne immediately. We know that. Uh, David's brought to King Saul to play music for him, to calm him, because we know Saul has uh, evil spirit in him. And David's playing his harp, and, and singing basically uh, causes Saul to calm down. And then we see later that enters Goliath and the Philistines, and this is kind of David's first big test here. Uh, Saul's, you know, Saul has been appointed by God Almighty. And they're up against Goliath and the Philistines. And what's happening is the Philistines and Goliath specifically are mocking Israel. And they're mocking Israel's God. And the army, the Israel army is afraid to go out and fight. In fact, they just won't do it. Uh, Even some of David's brothers are fighting with King Saul. And scripture says that Saul and his men were dismayed and terrified. That they were dismayed and terrified. Here, they have the one true God that looks after them, and they were terrified. So, during this time, David's going back and forth. He brings food. And at one point in time, Scripture says that he heard men talking and find out what was going on. And uh, basically, he hears what's going on, and he says to Saul, I will go fight Goliath. And Saul says, you're just a boy. However, God had been preparing David. David here is a shepherd. Sometimes you think, you know, God put you in a place and it's like, 
I want to do other things. But God is preparing you. And that's what he was doing with David. David was protecting the sheep from lions and bears. You know, making him really an expert marksman with his slingshot. Is basically what he was doing. And so God knew, or David knew, that God would deliver a victory to him because he trusted God. So we know what happens. God delivers the victory to David because David trusted God Almighty, but David gives the victory to God. And with one stone, he knocks out Goliath and he cuts Goliath's head off with his own sword. And then the enemy runs. So we know then that Saul is jealous because what is the song that everybody sings? Saul has, has uh, slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens, tens of thousands. And Saul became really jealous. So we know Saul tried to kill David a few times. And at this point, David has to run for his life. We know the story with David and Jonathan and how he eventually runs and he runs for his life. And, you know, you have to think. David didn't even ask to be king, if you think back on it. He was out tending his sheep, and God had decided, this is the man that I want to lead Israel. So Saul ends up pursuing David, and that's where we're going to pick it up in chapter 24. So remember, Saul's been pursuing David with a vengeance, and David's had to live in caves, woodlands, looking for food, supplies, I mean, just basically living a beggar's life. But the whole time, God is preparing David for the future because during this time, he's fighting some battles with with the few men that he has. And God is really preparing David for what's to come. Can you imagine having been told that you're going to be king of Israel, but you're being pursued like a wild dog by the current king? And you only have 400 men with very little food, and you're constantly on the move. Have you ever been, I don't know if any of you have ever been told that, you know, oh, wow, you're a shoe-in for this promotion, and so you just, you're just anxiously awaiting. Just that day. every day you see your boss, you think they're going to come up and tell you, this is the day that you're going to get the promotion. And it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen. And David was on a run for a long time, being pursued by Saul. And he probably thinks, What's going on? Back here, Samuel anoints me that someday I'm going to be king of Israel. But here, I am running for my life with 400 men, have hardly any food, and constantly on the move. But you know what? God is preparing David. 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 and 2. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told... David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men, it says, chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of wild goats. So here, David has 400 men. And they're not necessarily fighting men, but people who have aligned themselves with David. Saul has 3,000 well-trained chosen soldiers that he's pursuing David with. Verses 3 and 4, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. And yes, that means exactly what it sounds like. David and his men were far back in the cave, and the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you, deal, for you to deal with as you wish. 
Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of the robe, Saul's robe. Now, what are the odds that Saul and David would end up in the same cave? You know, initially I thought, ah, that's kind of a coincidence. But then I thought, God is in control. God arranged this. And to me, it was kind of a test for David. Because what happened? Here, Saul's crouched down in a very vulnerable position. It's not exactly like he'd be able to jump up right away. And David could have easily cut off his head as quickly as he cut off Goliath's head. I mean, he could have. But he stopped. And this had to really be tempting for David. I mean, here he's been running for years. He's being pursued by the present king with 3,000 men. And he, you know, and it appears that everything, that God has put everything in place to simply take Saul's life. But David doesn't do that. And, you know, we find in Scripture, just to regress a little bit, we find in Scripture that, uh, as we went through, because on Monday night Bible study, we had, we've been through First Samuel, Second Samuel. We're actually now just started Second Kings, actually. But we find that things went really well with David when he prayed and inquired of the Lord. And we see this over and over in Scripture. When he didn't inquire of the Lord or pray, we found that things didn't go so well. When he had his own plans and when he did his own things, things didn't go so well. So let's just look at some of the instances, and, and those are coming out of First and Second Samuel. We're going to just look at David. It says in First Samuel 23, 4 and 5, Then David inquired of the Lord once more, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise and go to, to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, and he led, them, he led away their livestock and struck them with a great slaughter. 1 Samuel 23, verses 10 and 11. Then David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down just as your servant has heard? O Lord, God of Israel, I pray you, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. And in verses 12 and 14, then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Then David and his men and about 600 arose and departed from Keilah and they went wherever they could when it was told Saul that, and when it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the pursuit. In 1 Samuel 37 through 10, then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he, and pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Second Samuel 2. Then it came af- about afterwards that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. So David said, where shall I go up? To Hebron. So David went up there and with his two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And in 2 Samuel 5, 17, 
When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. Then David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I certainly give the and defeat <clears throat> I certainly will give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal Perazim and defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of the waters. Second Samuel five twenty two. Now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you, he said, you should not go directly up, but circle around behind them, come up at them in front of the balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees that you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so just as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Over and over and over, David inquired of the Lord, and God answered his prayers. He gave him the victories. He gave him the direction that he needed. And it's thinking in the movie in War Room, and we we saw this little old lady over and over on her knees praying to God. And you see the answers of the prayer. And we don't always know when those answers are going to come, but we know they will come. And one last one, Second Samuel 21, during the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord, and the Lord said, the reason for the famine is it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death, because Saul was not to do that. Um, but again, to get his answer, he inquired of the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. So we saw David's multiple inquiries of the Lord and revealed that he really was a man of prayer. He relied on God. And there are instances we could look at in which we've seen, that, or we could see, that when David did not inquire of the Lord, when he did not pray to God, and he did things under his own strategy or his own plan, he failed every time. And this was the main reason... Why he was called the man after God's own heart. It says in Acts 13.22, God says, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And David did. David wasn't perfect. We know that from stories when we go through and we see uh, with the story of David and Bathsheba and different things. But the thing is that when David was confronted with his sin, he did repent. He did confess it to God and he did change. And that was the thing. His heart changed. And in there, you know, we can see some of the prayers that David prayed. We see those in in Psalm. And I'm going to read one, Psalm 142, which this is the one when he was actually in the cave. Psalm 142, it says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. 
So you got to complain against someone, take it to God before you take it to your neighbor. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walked, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. And we know that's not true. God cares for us. And David feels alone right now. You know, with just 400 men, he's stuck in a cave. And he's crying out to God. That's what he's doing. He's crying out to God. And that's what God wants. He says in verse 5, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in a desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. And that was kind of part of the theme in the movie on Friday night, is the advice that the little old lady gave, the pers- gave to this young woman with the problems that she was having in her marriage and everything that was going on, she had taken it up on herself to try and fix her husband. And what did she tell her? Don't try to fix your husband. Let God do that. And so she became a prayer warrior just like the little old lady became a prayer warrior. She turned her marriage, her life her family over to God. And that's what David is doing. He's crying out, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you're my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So David continues to rely on God, even though his men are pushing him to kill Saul. So kind of think about putting yourself in that position. You think everything's all lined up. The men that are following you are all lined up and saying, look, David, God has put Saul within your grasp. All you have to do is just kill him. That's all you have to do. And that's tough because, I mean, that could be peer pressure. That could be a lot of things because I don't quite get the impression from reading Scripture that the men were very very godly. And so here they are pushing him to kill Saul. This will take care of all of your problems. But David wanted to trust God. I was just talking to someone the other day who's, who's in the process of making a big decision about what's going on is their company is shutting down operations and they're moving back east. And it could mean a big promotion for this person. But um, the thought that goes through their mind is maybe I can find a job here. I can work on my family. Uh, my spouse and I can draw much closer You know, I won't have to travel as much. And so she's really, really praying through that and, you know, waiting for God's answer. She's, you know, she's got time and I'm sure in God's time, he will answer that prayer. Uh, They've got till 2018 before they shut down. But, you know, now is the time to be praying about that. God, what do you want me to do? You know, show me what you want. And I'm sure in time, God will will open that door and show her exactly what needs to be done. So now back to David. His men, David, do it. This is the day the Lord's given you. This is the opportunity. I mean, can you imagine having people behind you building you up? You're going to be king. This is it. Do it. So what does he do? David's faced with a difficult decision. Listen to his men or follow God. 
King Saul has been anointed as king of Israel by God. And it's not David's place to take Saul out. This was the Lord's prerogative and only his. And it was, if Saul was to be removed, David had to wait for the timing of the Lord. And waiting is hard. How many, how many agree? Waiting is hard, right? You know, we, we, God's time is not our time, but we need to wait for God's timing and just continually pray, you know, and have others pray for you, lift you up and what he would have them to do. First Samuel 24 verses five through seven. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He was feeling guilty. He was feeling bad. He had actually, you know, touched God's anointed and he was feeling bad about this. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed or lift my hand against him for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Now, David had a responsibility both ways. One, he had a responsibility to respect whom God had placed in authority. But he also had the responsibility to control his men. Because if they had acted, it still would have looked as if David had ordered them to to kill him. So he was responsible. And to me, this is a brave move by David. I'm not sure how far Saul was from, from David. Um, but, you know, here they had just been in the cave together. And in 1 Samuel 24, it says, Then David went out of the cave and came out to Saul. My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And he said to Saul, why, did you, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you. And Dave, David's confessing. But I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed See my father, because he was uh, Saul's son-in-law. See my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. So right off the bat, David shows respect. He says, my Lord, the king. He still recognizes Saul as the king. And he bows down and addresses him as the Lord and king. He bows down. David is showing respect for the position. And you can bet if the shoe was on the other foot, if it was David pursuing Saul, 
And David was in the cave relieving himself and in a very vulnerable position. I have a feeling Saul would not have acted as righteously as David did. Because David was really a man after God's own heart. He inquired and he prayed of God continually. So at this point, I kind of asked myself, how would I have responded? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have responded the way David had. I would hope that through studying God's word and praying and understanding what God would want me to do, that when those circumstances arise, that I would respond appropriately. That's why it's so important that we stay in the word, that, you know, you study scripture, that you pray, that you ask God, you know, to commit these verses to your heart, that you know them so that when these circumstances, circumstances like David was in, that the Spirit will recall those verses for you, will recall for you what you should do in those circumstances. Don't rely on your own thoughts and ambitions, but rely on understanding what Scripture says. And the Spirit will guide you in what you should do. Having God's Word on your heart will always help you respond in the right way. Because if you don't know what God's Word says... How do you know how to respond in certain situations? Because God has given us, you know, his word. I mean, he has given us his word that we can study, that we can memorize, that we can know what he wants for our life. So David, through those verses, recounts with Saul what's going on and asking him, you know, asking Saul, why are you listening to other people who's bent, you know, Who's been unharming? You know, he, they want you to harm me. You know, he's saying, I've done nothing to deserve what you were doing. And really, I kind of boiled it down to just a few words. It's like, think for yourself. Think for yourself. So Saul could just have easily turned to God and asked for guidance, but he never did. And we saw that as time went on, and he eventually was removed from the throne. David basically tells him that he could have easily have just killed him in that cave. But he didn't. You know, that some men were encouraging him to do that. That this is the right timing. The circumstances are just right. And God, you know, hey David, God has set this up for you. Go out and kill him. But he didn't. And David says, I'm guilty of nothing to be hunted like a dog. And if caught killed, I have not wronged you in any way. David tells Saul he will leave it in God's hands and to decide and judge who is right and who is wrong. God will be the judge and will avenge any wrong that has been done to David, even if it is, the, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that he will avenge any wrong and that David's done nothing wrong and they will follow Lord, the Lord's will. David says, my hand will not touch you. And he never does. David's hand never touches Saul. So David puts the focus back on God in six ways. He tells him, God, you be the judge. God, you decide this dispute. This is up to you to decide. Consider the cause. Consider both sides, which is what a judge is supposed to do. Uphold and vindicate. 
and God does because we know Saul is wrong and David is right. And David, being a man after God's own heart, followed what he would have David David followed what he would have God have him to do. First Samuel twenty four, sixteen through twenty two. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? Because remember David had married uh, Saul's daughter, so he was he was Saul's son in law. And David's words had to touch Saul because it says, and he wept aloud. Saul wept aloud. You are more righteous than I. So there's some conviction going on there. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? Normally, no. May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my family, from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. And we know from scripture reading on that David upheld his oath, not only to Saul, but it was a very similar oath that he made to Jonathan earlier. Him and Jonathan were very close friends. But you can see there's been some change that there was a realization there that Saul came very near death. Now we know it doesn't last as we see as time goes on, but at that moment in time, Saul does is convicted and he does understand he was very close to death but that david being a man of god knew that king saul was the anointed of god and did not take his life saul verifies you know to david and calls him his son he was you know his son-in-law and again david's conversation had an impact so we know today you know, because we look at uh, everything that's going on, and Saul was not a very good leader. Uh, you know, it even talks about an evil spirit that had entered him. And, you know, here he's chasing David, trying to kill him. And really, Saul was not a very good leader. And I think if we look today, would you say that probably around the world, there's some pretty bad leaders? <laughs> yeah. Uh, politicians who say one thing and do another, make promises they don't keep. And that's why it's very important that we keep our trust in God. Uh, you know, we are to, you know, we are to vote. We're to do those things. Uh, but we do know that, you know, our trust needs to be put in God, in, to God. But God, you know, does set up leaders. And there are some horrible leaders out there. Uh, they're not reliable or do what they say. You know, we see in other parts of the world where there's actually life-threatening situations that people are being persecuted for, you know, for their Christian belief. And, you know, we've been seeing a little bit, you know, some of that here. Uh, It's going to get worse before it gets better, I think. Um, But I truly believe that God is continually in control and we need to stay in prayer to him. And I think I shared in men's Bible study that 
I really think in some ways this is God within the church in the U.S. He is separating those that truly know him and those that don't. That through everything that's going on in the direction, because it's just, it's like, how could God let this happen? But I think in some ways it's testing our faith. Um, even heard um, just a small clip um, of T.D. Jakes. And I don't always listen to T.D. Jakes, but somebody sent me this clip. And I thought it was very, very impactful, at least for me. And I wish I had heard this back when I was younger, raising my kids. And it said, I always hear people run around and talk and go, what's wrong with those kids? What is wrong with them? And he says, they're your kids. If you didn't teach them the word of God, if you didn't teach them to pray, if you didn't teach them what they should do, that's on you. He said, don't be saying, what's wrong with those kids? He said, take a look and begin to teach them what they need to know. Teach them about God's word. Teach them to pray. Romans 13, 1 and 2 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And this is tough to read, because I'll tell you, there's, there's some leaders out there I just really would not choose to follow. And I question sometimes how they ever got in power. But I have to go back to Scripture and say, you know, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. I have to trust God. And all I can do is continue to, to, to pray. Okay, and that is tough to read. But there is an exception to this rule. And I think we learned that. And we learned that. Is that in English? There's always an exception to the rule. <laughs> um, is when an authority and command tells you to violate the law of God. If they tell you to violate the law of God, that is definitely something that you should never follow a leader from. But we do need to daily pray for our leaders, all of our leaders, whether, you know, we can't stand them. I mean, it's really hard. But we need to pray for them because just looking at the examples of David, when David prayed, inquired of the Lord, things went well. And when he didn't, when he took it under his own devices, things didn't go so well. So David, even when he had an opportunity to kill Saul, he knew it was not his place. And when he addressed Saul after the cave, he called him Lord and King. You know, like Christ, who could have spared himself with what he went through, just think of that. Christ could have easily spared himself for what he went through, but he trusted his father. And we see that as we read the New Testament. In fact, in Peter, 1 Peter, it tells us, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And that's God. David never wronged Saul. David did not even ask to be king. 
David lived as a fugitive for many years simply because he was being obedient to God. And I ask myself, am I being obedient? Are we being obedient? How are we responding in those situations with people who treat us badly? Do we seek revenge? Or do we trust God and take, to take care of the situation? Proverbs 25 says, if your enemy is hungry, after that, say, so we just say, tough, go find something to eat? No. It says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And in Romans, these verses are actually repeated. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Because I think he could do far worse than anything we could ever do. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. And just think of the situations you put that in, that somebody has put you in a position that, you know, and that you turn and you do something positive for them. And actually, um, they, showed that, they showed that in the movie War Room. And granted, the, the lady's husband was wrong. He had stolen from the company, done some things that he shouldn't do. He got fired. He made restitution to the company. They could have prosecuted him. But one of the guys in the company that really wanted to prosecute him, just re- you know, he really showed disdain for this, for this young man. But you know, he confessed. He made things right with the company. He was driving to, to an event. And guess who's broken down on the side of the road with the guy that wanted to fire him. And he can't get AAA out there quick enough to, to get his tire changed so that he could go wherever he needed to go. Because he's in a suit and tie and had a white shirt on, so obviously he didn't want to get dirty. The young man stops, gets out of the car, and changes his tire and shakes his hand and leaves. Now, me, I probably would have driven right by. <laughs> But that's the way God wants us to respond. That that does more than seeking revenge. And I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I've I've been there myself. But that's how God wants us to respond. He wants us to respond like David responded. David had a perfect opportunity that he could have taken Saul's life. But he inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, This is my anointed And David says, I won't touch him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning and we just thank you for your word. We would just pray that you would make us prayer warriors. That God, you would just move in us to know that we need to get on our knees and that we need to just worship and pray to you more. That uh, God, that you will listen and you will answer our prayers. God, we just thank you for your word, what it does. And again, we just lift those up that are ill. God, that uh, just 
work a miracle there and just heal them, God. Bring them back to health so that they can serve and praise you. And we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.